What is going on guys? Today is November 30th, 2022. The time is 4.01 p.m. This is Have Food Will Travel podcast and I am your host Ozarks. Hope everyone's doing good today. Today we are going to be discussing uh, how to start a food trailer from beginning to end and we will be uh, going through some of the regulations some of the licensing some of the licensing that is needed and um, basically how to get everything started so we're gonna get into this Um, there's a lot of different variables that come into play when you're trying to start a food trailer some of this is going to cover every single you know business that you would ever start up and some of it is going to be very unique to food trailers itself so um, and and some of the cost associated with that the you know a food trailer um on the low end you could find a used one for about five thousand dollars and they can cut they can cost most of upwards of you know 250k by the time you get done paying for licensing and whatnot um a lot of this is going to depend on what your needs are for your food trailer um what type of licensing you have where you live so there's definitely a lot of factors that play into this um but the very first thing you need to do before you ever even get started on trying to get a food trailer itself is coming up with a concept of what you want to do as far as your menu your food stuff like that and you also need to see if the market is going to allow it in your area for the food you're trying to cover um, you also need to take into account um, how many different food trailers you have that are trying to sell the same type of food because competition is competition and you don't want to oversaturate the market with stuff but you also need to see what the traffic is like in the area you're trying to deploy your food trailer um, stuff like that so make sure you're doing your research and it's in line with what you're trying to do and make sense as far as your business goes um You definitely want to make sure that your product and your menu and your food trailer itself is very attention grabbing, especially nowadays because the market is kind of starting to boom as far as food trailers go. Um, This is going to allow the food trailer itself to grow. Um, But the first thing you're going to want to do is obviously outline a business plan and set your goals for what you want to do with your food trailer. And it makes sure it also matches the research that you have found with everything of your about your area and sometimes these go into um other states you know we have actually taken ours to different states and so you also have to follow all those rules um give me one second here um the next thing you're going to want to do is set up your um marketing network you're going to want to um, budget for marketing. Um, you're going to want to set up any of your social media accounts, create any unique marketing that you may need to go through and successful. Um, and then that will get you started. So the first thing you're going to want to do is get your business plan together. Um, and that way, if you need any kind of funding or anything like that, you will be able to source funding for that, whether it be through your personal, um, through your personal finances or through crowdsource funding, which by the way, does not work very often that I have noticed. And then um, you will, you're going to want to purchase your food trailer. So, and a lot of times that may not be possible to just 
right off the bat go out and drop anywhere between 20 to 200 and some odd thousand dollars. And I know for a fact that I have seen multiple people start out under tents um, and then they work their way up throughout the their deal and, you know, come around the next season and have a food trailer. I've watched that on several occasions. Um, but you got to do what you can afford to start with. Uh, some of the licensing requirements that you're going to have for these are going to be, you want to start with, if you're going to go legit, which I suggest, you're going to start with uh, FEIN number, which is your federal employee identification number. And that is done through, you can get that through the IRS's website. Um, you're going to need state, state sales tax number, which a lot of that is going to depend on what you want to um, file it under. Um, we do LLCs. Uh, that makes it a little bit easier to deal with state tax ID numbers. Most people these days, I do believe, do that. And uh, then you're also going to need to get with your health code regulations or your health department, go through any regulations they may have. And what they will initially do is they will come out and inspect the trailer, make sure it's in working order, make sure you have hot water, um, kind of ask you where you're getting your product from. And then uh, you will also go and they will go through and uh, basically check everything out, make sure you have all your sanitizer stuff, make sure you have um, that kind of stuff. And the other thing that a lot of people do not think about in the process is you also have to keep a commissary, um, which is basically a commercial kitchen. They also, your local health inspector also has to um, inspect that and make sure that it is sanitary sanitary, make sure it is being, you know, because there are some people that keep them at their house, but it has to be separated from your personal stuff. They will go through, make sure everything's sanitary in there, and then they will give you the okay. And you can do this next part either prior to or after the health inspection. I prefer see, prefer to see people go through the health inspection part first just to make sure that they're going to get through that. But then you have to go and get any kind of county licensing, um, any kind of city licensing where you're going to operate. And then you also have to do this for every single county and each county can be different. You know, I suggest it. I personally have one, but not everywhere requires you to have food handlers cards. Um, you can, some counties offer it. And then sometimes you go and a county health inspection may require you to go through uh, an affiliate program. A lot of them go through ServeSafe. Um, they're pretty reasonable. You can take your test online for that, but they, uh, they will definitely, they're there to help you along the way. Um, I know our local health inspector here, they, um, they will, he has been very awesome about trying to help us and make sure we get through what we need to do. We're, we're personally, uh, this next season will be our fourth season in the mobile food industry. And then we also have a second trailer that we take around to events and take around to different towns. When we originally set up, we were a permanent location, but, and then you also need to consider insurances for the business and insurance for any vehicle that you're going to be paying are going to be pulling the food trailer with, unless it's a food truck and obviously it's self-drivable. So not only do you have to have business for our business insurance, but you also have to have motor vehicle insurance, get the food trailer with license plates on, um, stuff like that. Um, but you want to choose, you want to choose the best option for you and what you're trying to do. And then the next step to it would be to be buying your product. You need to see whether it is feasible for you to go through a distributor, or if you want to go out and buy all of your food from local 
vendors because a lot of times places will allow that to happen as well. I've even met a few food trailer owners that they are actually uh, farm to table and they will produce and do business with local people that get their goods through that way and their food is absolutely amazing. So it's all kind of dependent on what you want to do here. Um, and then you also have to figure out whether you want to be traditional as far as taking orders like what we do and we're working on a POS system and a KDS system. But right now we still do everything by paper. Most of what you see that is manufactured for people as they order food trailers a lot of times nowadays automatically comes with the POS system in the budget. And that's part of why stuff gets expensive so quick because you can wind up putting so much equipment in a kitchen that are into a food trailer that it costs you upwards of $150,000 if not more. Um, but the POS system is point of sales and then you've got a KDS system which is kitchen display system and that's basically as they're putting the order in you it goes to whoever's making the food and you just delete it as you get the order done. It's We're looking into that right now ourselves and it's something that is very very helpful especially when you start getting into bigger festivals and stuff. For mobile service, the uh, they say that the best KDS and POS system because they're combined is called a company called Toast. I don't know anything about them. We actually use square but the other the next big thing you're going to want to do before you ever even get started is you're going to want to start your marketing and you and utilizing a marketing budget depending on how big you are is going to depend on how much you put into that they recommend anywhere between 1500 to 6000 dollars a month or sorry per year uh and that's going to include your things like logo design um any kind of rendering any kind of your menus being made um social media budget the nice thing about social media that we've come so far is that it is actually a free source for advertising now when you get into like facebook and stuff like that you can can wind up spending quite a bit of money because they do have the paid advertisement, but I don't suggest it when you can circulate all of your stuff for pretty much free on social media these days. But you also are going to want to keep a graphic designer on standby, probably mainly because you're, you know, you could have to change your logo, um, stuff like that, or you could want to change your logo later on down the road, and it would just be easier to keep those people working for you and let them help you rather than you trying to struggle to make your own logo. Um, with the licensing thing, another thing that I'd suggest you do is when you get your name, trademark it. Because especially in the mobile food industry, you run into a lot of issues with choosing a name that has already been taken. And they will, I've seen bigger companies come after these smaller food trailers with ceased and desist and stuff like that. See people get sued because the name was already trademarked elsewhere. But you've got to figure out your market more than anything because and getting in with like your local chamber of commerce they will help you do that and a lot of times your chamber of commerce will put on bigger events that they will invite you to if you've signed up with them um even if it's not your local i mean like we belong to several chamber of Com commerces throughout the state in order to make sure that we get we get good events the marketing budget will also help you create your merchandise um, that goes back to your logo thing. In some areas, it's a very good idea to make yourself merch. If, like if you're a coffee company, you can sell coffee cups. If you're um, 
you can sell t-shirts, that kind of stuff. It'll just help push that brand along a little bit better. But then once you get done with that, get done with your health department, get done with all of your licensing, food handlers, cards, stuff like that. The next thing you're going to want to do is start setting up your food trailer the way you like it. I've been in this industry for going on four years now, and I still find myself changing the design layout in little ways to help me be more efficient while I'm making food um, almost every single time I go out in it. You know, it may just be move something over here, move something over there so it's out of the way more. If it's something you've discovered that you're not going to use a whole lot, then there's no point in keeping it right there in your general area. And then once you have got all of this completed, it's time to go start buying your product. And that way it will help you create your menu or at least the cost for your menu. Obviously, you at this point, you should have already had the menu created on what you want to serve. But with the way everything is going, food prices change almost daily. So sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to change prices to meet the day's standards. One other thing that I want to discuss here, and then I actually am going to let my co-host in here to ask anything that she has questions about and stuff like that. But after you get all that figured out, get your menu made, you're going to want to start booking events and start booking where you want to go with your food trailer, Um, whether it be to a small town, whether it be to a huge festival, something like that. Most food trailers have their schedules built almost completely out for the season, about a month prior to the season even beginning, and some of them even start earlier. They'll start booking out as soon as their busy season is over, and then you've got ones that will go into brick and mortar through the winter. Um, You do have food trailers and other and bigger areas that will operate throughout the entire year. But that is just something that you will have to decide. There's a, you can either do this thing as a hobby or you can do it full time and go full bore at it, get it to where you are making a complete living just off of a food trailer. Um, anyway, I am going to let Mischief Managed in and see if she has any input, see if she wants to ask any type of questions here. Hey, um, Cindy actually asked a question in the chat saying, um, wouldn't this state have a record of names already taken just to go back to the trademarking bit of everything? Uh, actually, I a lot of them are going to. I know, like, Missouri, they have them. Um, you can pretty much go look up anybody anybody's LLC on the Secretary of State's website. It'll actually tell you if they're in compliance with paying their taxes. It'll go that far in depth. Uh, so, yeah, most of them are probably going to have a list of current businesses by legal and DBA if you're running like an LLC. Uh, but the problem with that is, is you would almost have to search all 50 states because like I actually just seen an article today right before we did the podcast. There was a gentleman out of, I do believe it was Minneapolis. He got sued out of, from a company out of San Diego, California because their name was trademarked and he got a ceased and desist and th- he did not. And so they ended up suing him for it. And now he is having to change his name So it's just definitely something you want to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously you can do the basic things and search for stuff online, see what pulls up, but it could be something that it winds up being missed too. That's really interesting. I guess I didn't, when I went through and decided a name for my business, I was just thinking within the state. I wasn't necessarily thinking outside of the state because I have seen multiple, like there's a salon for instance um, called curl up and die and there's one like in every single state and they're not all related at all they're all just independently operated so right and i almost wonder if 
what had happened was with this, and I didn't get all the way through the article because I just found it right before we got started here today. But I almost wonder if the place out in San Diego did not already have their name trademarked prior to this guy naming his food trailer, and that's why they came after him. And I guess that may be where the legal part comes in. If the name is already trademarked, then it can't be used again. Probably, because I feel like that might be a little bit more accurate. Because as, as you know, I mean, most uh, most food trailers got started here in the U.S. out in San Diego, or not out in San Diego, yeah. but out in California itself. Yeah, that's kind of where the scene developed at, and then it kind of moved its way from both directions on the coast. And I think we covered that in our first podcast. But yeah, it it probably boils down to just the legal purposes of all of that. So. As far as trucks versus trailers, what do you think would be better to start with? If you are to the point that you can afford a truck or trailer, my personal opinion would be with the trailer because if the truck breaks down, you're out of business until you can get the truck fixed. We actually had a local gentleman here uh, about midsummer. He had just got his food truck up and going. And about a month into it, the engine blew up in it and he went out of business because he didn't have the money to replace the truck motor to whereas if you're pulling with a trailer and something happens to your pulling vehicle worst case scenario you can always go rent or borrow a truck from somebody that would have one so i personally prefer the trailer um trucks are awesome you know because obviously they you pretty much just they go anywhere to whereas a trailer you've got to have the room for both of them to be able to set up but that's kind of where i'm at on that and that's my personal opinion See, on my end, I personally would prefer a trailer, and not only for the vehicle aspect, but if you're doing, like, a festival where it's a few days, you can drop a trailer and, say, like, drive your car, your truck back to the hotel or something like that. When you have a truck, like, you don't have another vehicle unless you pop a little scooter in there or something. Right. And, yeah, we've absolutely done stuff like that. We've gone to two, three-day festivals, and... We've been able to come home because they were close enough or we've gone to a hotel and just left the trailer there. The uh, The generators that we run on those are pretty efficient for the most part. Uh, I know that we personally run the Predator 9500 and it runs everything that we need and we actually hooked it. So we moved, we personally moved our big trailer for the very first time in almost four years, a couple months ago, and we hooked one Predator 9500 to it. And at the end of the event, it was a two-day event, and at the end of the first night, we just filled the generator up, and it ran all night long with most everything running in it. So, and it's one of the quietest, quietest generators made for the food trailers. A lot of people use them. They're kind of a, they're Harbor Freight's knockoff of the Honda. Wow, that's actually pretty awesome. So, are you um, propane and electric, or mostly all electric? Uh, ours is completely electric. Now, uh, my company is in the process of looking for another trailer, so it will end up being a combo because when you run full electric, it's actually very hard to run an AC with all of that running. So we will probably be switching some stuff over to propane if we end up getting the bigger trailer during this off season. Actually, our mobile unit doesn't even have an AC in it. Tally-ho. So what's some advice you would give to somebody um as far as their menu design goes like items as far as how many they should start with maybe depending on crew size and my best advice for oh go ahead 
No, go ahead. My best advice for that would be to, no matter what you do, keep it as simple as possible. So if, and you can always change menu items out. There are a lot of food trailers out there that will actually change, they will change out their menu depending on their event. And there's some trailers and trucks that have rotating menus. They're constantly putting something new on it, depending on the week or the month or whatever it may be. I've even seen food. I've even seen food trailers completely change over uh, ethnicities of food. So keep it simple. Keep the ingredients simple because when you have a line of thirty people out in front of you, the wait time is still very similar, if not worse, than a restaurant. We actually uh, have ran into that. The event that I told that I was just talking about, where we moved our our big trailer that has been permanent for three years. We probably had 60 people standing outside of it at any given time. And I mean, just constant line. I literally did not step out of the food trailer for about six hours. So it, it definitely, and those people, that was about a 45 minute to an hour wait. And there were four other food trailers. So every food trailer in that lot had the line like that. They were there for a fireworks display show here locally. So it can definitely get hectic. Now that's with three people on ours. Some people, you know, I've seen two people, I've seen four or more. It it all depends on what you plan on doing and how big you want to go with it. Or if you're, if you're going to do it for a hobby or if you're going to do it full time, I definitely see people doing it as a hobby and they, you know, they have a full time day job and then they just kind of do this on the weekends. So it's all however much you want to put into it, but you want to keep your ingredients as simple as possible just mainly because time time is to me when you're in the food trailer time is money and the longer people wait the less people are going to complain i have not ran into a whole lot of issues myself where i've had people complain there have been a couple but normally they're at larger events and our window will get bombarded with 100 people at one time the longest i have ever had a waiting on my food trailer has been two hours and that that happened at a local side-by-side park here and i ended up having to send some of them off to go i was like go out ride the trails come back and check because i'm getting backed up so time is definitely of the essence and kind of just like in every restaurant situation but like because i have a very fast-paced um environment myself so i definitely get that um and I recently helped out some friends that have started their businesses and trying to get them to understand the speed of their line. But in the food truck environment, it is, you know, you're in very close quarters with everybody and everything. So it's a, I feel like it's a little bit rougher. Yeah, it definitely can get a lot rougher. So one of the things that I forgot to mention in that is, you know, when food trucks first started, And I covered this kind of on the last episode, but when food trucks first started, a lot of them were prepackaged food. You just pop it in the microwave and serve it out the window. Well, then people started getting in with these intricate menu items and made to order food and stuff like that. And it, it definitely, I almost think that I would like to say it makes it more complicated, but at the same time it doesn't because you're dealing with already pre-hot food, but because you're in a closed off space, I think it's rougher than having a full-blown commercial kitchen and restaurant to whereas in a restaurant kitchen, you can have four to five people back there working, if not more, depending on the size of your kitchen and food trailer, you're only going to get anywhere between three to four people in it at best. So I definitely think that is what keeps the times up because like I said, I've seen other food trailers that have had just as long of a wait 
you know, the two, two and a half hours and you just kind of got to ensure people that it's coming, the food's coming out. And hopefully that's what you run into at things like festivals and they'll be able to go off and enjoy other stuff and come back and when it's done. That's where I feel like um, having a POS system and I'm not overly familiar with toast, but I did um, check into it when I initially opened the business and decided to go with another program. Um, but I, I also do not run off of a POS system. I have handwritten tickets, but for a food truck, I feel like it's very beneficial because you always have that face in the front and you could always tag a name onto the ticket as it's on there. So when you have that line and that weight, everything's coming out accurately, but it also gives a little bit of a pause for the kitchen itself. I agree. Actually, do you, are you familiar with those little, um, the, the time, not the timing system, but their systems, like they used to hand them out at like Applebee's and Chili's, those little light up disc. I've seen in a lot of bit in a lot of bigger areas where food trailers are starting to use those rather than taking names, they'll take the order and then hand it out the window and people can just go wander around when their food's done and it'll go off and they can come back and get it. I've seen that. And I've also seen that at like cantina kind of settings too, which I'm basically like a permanent food trailer location. Um, right. Same situation. And as well as during COVID, everybody had gotten really creative uh, with the drive through windows and the pickups and everything. So then you have like the number calling and stuff where you're just like, here's a number card. It goes with this order. And then like it goes through. But there's right. a good pause. And I try to like with my staff um, on the weekends when the place is absolutely insane, I try to tell them like control the flow on the floor. I can only cook so fast. So if you're saving somebody and getting the order immediately, which is essentially what's going on with your situation, however, they're just standing there. Um, it doesn't give me any time. So they're going back in like the back of the line. They just got seated. 20, pe 20 tables before them had just been seated and had their orders taken. So the customer's clock starts ticking in a dine-in restaurant as soon as they place their food order. Right. And see, that's the thing. Like, I don't consider myself slow when I am in the process of cooking. So if it's to the point that I'm getting backed out that far, like I, I tell the person taking orders, I'm like, you have to find a way to slow these people down. <laughs> yeah. Make some small talk. Um, I like your hair. I like your earrings. Do you like onions? Right. And, ac <laughs> and actually, like when we go to bigger festivals, my, our, my stepfather has started joining us and he is very good at that small talk and keeping people entertained while I'm trying to catch up. So if we start getting backed out 30, 40 minutes an hour, he'll start messing with people and talking to them and making making that small talk just to give us time to try to catch up. Which is fantastic. And I also don't consider myself slow either. I would absolutely love, love to have a food trailer. And that is something that I, I plan to do in the near future. So a lot of the information you provided was definitely beneficial for me being a brick and mortar. Right. And, you know, there's some of it that is not a, uh, you know, as far as setting up the actual business, obviously you're familiar with that kind of stuff because it's not any different through most businesses unless you're trying to start this massive corporation. But any kind of small business, you obviously know that you're going to have to get your licensing and that kind of stuff. So, and the one thing I did forget to mention, uh, you were asking me about creating a menu. Sometimes... I have seen some of these more expensive food trailers. They have gotten to the point that they don't even get creative and make their menu. 
they have actually started getting TV screens that are input into the side of the food trailer and they've just got a little door kind of like your window that goes over it when you're traveling down the road. They just plug a laptop into it or get a media stick and they just <clears throat> they make their menu out on it and plug it into the back of the TV and they've got their menu ready to go. They just turn everything on and the menu comes on with the rest of everything in the trailer. So yeah, and that definitely saves too, especially if you're rotating out a menu. Um, I've like you said, there's a lot of people that just rotate out entire cuisines or they'll like change their menu up depending on event. Like one event they'll have chicken tenders mac and cheese barbecue and the next event they're going to have like subs <laughs> right and see like on my end i am in a very unique situation because i actually help run two food trailers normally what we do like my daughter has her own food and what she normally does is she i mean she's got her own licensing she's gone through the health inspections and everything like that but she is under a pop-up tent right now and normally what we do is, is we just incorporate it in with the other food trailer and then when we set because it's got a lift ramp on it and what we do is we open the lift ramp and then we just set her right off to the end of it and they most counties that we've ran into like the health department is like so do you want it to fall under this license or do you want it to fall under its own license so they've been very easy going about that kind of thing but i mean she's got her own uh cooler she's got her own fryer and the fryer has to stay out from under the tent because it's, it's driven by propane but like uh igloo cooler the they make the big coolers for like construction sites and stuff like that. They actually, they actually make a cooler specifically designed for hand washing stations. And what there's a little adapter on the side that holds a bottle of soap. You put warm water in it. It'll actually keep the water insulated for up to like six hours. So she's got her own hand washing station. And then you just slide a little drawer under it, like down on the ground for it to catch the gray water. Now, in some states that may not fly, but other than Kansas and here in Missouri, I am not super familiar with a whole lot of, a whole, a whole bunch of other states, uh, rules and regulations, which we will eventually get into that kind of stuff because I definitely ran across a couple of weird laws and how people or how the governments regulate these food trailers. It's regulations in the food industry in general. I feel like reality versus code are like separate universes. Yeah, we actually have a local town here. So they did not allow food trailers into their town up until about May or June of last year. And a couple of food trailers that were located over in that area actually kept going to city hall meetings and talking to them. And they finally decided to give in and they took a vote on it. They allowed the food trailers inside the city. Well, what they did not discuss with them was the fact that they were not going to allow food trailers within 250 feet of any brick and mortar. And it, it wasn't like, Hey, if you're a coffee shop, you can't be within 250 feet of a coffee trailer or, you know, vice versa. Like you could not be. And then they also, on top of it, we have since discovered that they encouraged their brick and mortars, the ones that did not like the idea they allowed them in, to turn them into code enforcement. And so we actually had uh, a friend of ours. She was one of the people that helped set this up and help facilitate food trailers inside the city or inside the town. And she got all set up one day and here comes code enforcement. And they're like, Hey, we forgot to tell you after they made that agreement with you, they also put in there. You can't be within 250 feet. You got to shut down. In the Sam but Hill. they're, Oh my God. 
Yeah, there's actually, um, actually, we just started here in our local area. We started a food truck coalition, and there's also a national one as well that these uh, coalitions are kind of taking on these towns that are coming up with these silly rules and laws and stuff like that because there are definitely some of them out there. Like I know in Boston, you have to keep a GPS tracker on your truck at all times in order to operate one so they can come find you. That's interesting. Um, I should actually reach out to some people that I know out in Boston and get a little bit more information about um, some food stuff as far as that goes. Um, we had only brick and mortar up there in Massachusetts. So, and it was before the food truck era, really. So, oh, I'll have to check that out. Interesting. Yeah, you know, in this area, I think the food truck, like where I'm at, I think the food truck era kind of really took off, took off during the pandemic, during COVID. You know, everyone around the country did the whole two week shutdown. And a lot of people, you know, didn't have jobs and they're like, hey, I want to go try this out. And I have noticed that there's a lot of food trailers popping up in my local area to whereas four years ago when we first started this, there might have been 10 of them. Yeah. But it seems like everyone is opening a food trailer of some sort around here. And that's okay. We And, you know, like we didn't have to shut down during that two weeks because our food was all to go to whereas the two or the three local bars and restaurants here, they had to shut down and then they ended up having to shut down even longer because, you know, somebody at work ended up with COVID or they were short on staff or whatever it may be. Um, and I think a lot of people in that time realized, you know, these little family owned food trailers, it's easier to run them. There's no overhead in them, hardly, other than your food cost. You know, you don't have to pay out a whole bunch of people to do it. Our food trailer, it's just me and my mom. And then when we hit bigger events, my stepdad will help. But he's 74 years old. He's not going to be around a lot longer to help us. We do hire people from time to time if we know we're going to a bigger event. And I also um, typically hire my daughter, somebody just for the simple fact that she's kind of antisocial and doesn't like she she'll sit there and cook all day long. She does not deal with the general public very well. I can understand that. That's why I mentioned I'm under the fan. People are like <laughs> trying to talk to me and my servers are like, she can't hear you. She just can't. And, you know, before we did this back in the early 2000s, we had a full-blown restaurant. Um, and I I cooked in that. And I will tell you, that fan is very awesome because you can't hear anything when that exhaust fan's going. If you don't want to hear somebody, you're not going to. So, But, uh, you know, and that that is one thing that I have found over the four, almost four years that I've been doing this, that you have to keep up on regulations, that kind of stuff when you're doing food trailers, because it is one of those things that they'll change it on you and you won't know it until you've got code enforcement or health inspector sitting at your door trying to come in to inspect it, everything. And I've definitely, we've, we've had health inspectors come in, like we're in the middle of a rush and I'm like, you can come in and look around, but I'm not going to stop what I'm doing unless you're like, Hey, you're done. Need to shut down. And I've seen local health inspectors shut people down, but not for I've never seen them actually shut one down for unsanitary things, but like your hood system in a food trailer, it has to be so big. And then it also has to be pulling out so much exhaust fumes. And I don't know if that's the same way in the actual brick and mortar industry. Um, because like when our restaurant, like when we had our team come in and design our restaurant, 
like the guy that come in and designed it, he looked at my grandma, which was she, she was in charge of it. And he's like, I've not put this much equipment in multi-million dollar restaurants. Like, I don't know what you're trying to do here, but you're not going to have any problems. So, but in a food trailer, they have to be so big and be able to pull out so much exhaust per, I think per minute. And I've seen them shut them down temporarily for stuff like that. Now, does that apply to your equipment or size of trailer um i do believe it is going to go for the size of your trailer if i remember correctly the gentleman had told me because i'm actually really good friends with him and he told me that because his truck was so small because his truck was so big that he had to go get a bigger exhaust fan and that was just the piece that you see inside obviously the upper part was plenty big but it was not the motor was not pulling enough exhaust out of there because he's running charbroil a deep fryer and i don't know if anybody's ever ran a deep fryer in enclosed spaces without an exhaust fan or open air but the fumes will start burning your eyes and stuff like that um but he shut down he went and got it corrected the next day found somebody to put it in for him and he was back up and going and a year he was one of those people that i was referring to like a year ago he was under a 10 by 10 tent with a hot dog cart making um it had a little charbroiler on it and he was making hamburgers and he actually went and bought a uh, u-haul and it is now a food truck so you can pretty much make them out of anything i've seen some very unique food trucks out there food trailers trucks it's all in the way you want to design it and you have to especially when you get into events with bigger with lots more food trailers you have to make your stand out or else you know it's gonna it's not gonna do as well as everyone else's now say you were um, in regards to the water, do they, like, how do, what are the requirements for the water? So in our local area, normally when you buy a food trailer from like one of the manufacturing companies, or they're all over the country. They've got a good one in Florida. They've got a couple of good ones down in Texas, a couple out in California that I know of. But normally those all come with the tanks internal. Like we built ours out of an old, our mobile one is built out of an old cargo trailer. And so it does not have a built-in gray water tank. But in our area, the gray water tank must be 15% bigger than your freshwater tank. And so what we did for our freshwater tank is the sprayers that you would like mount to a four-wheeler to go out and spray crops. We actually have one of those with a water pump hooked to the top of it. And then we went and got, they actually make a gray roll around, I think it's like 28-gallon gray water tank. And you just hook that up to a hose outside. And ours is all external. Now, like I said, when you get into actually manufacturing a food trailer, but from a company, they're normally built into the frame. And so you've got to treat them basically like an RV and you've got to drain them. You've got to do all that kind of stuff with them. And when it gets cold, that's why they're harder to keep running in the winter unless you're, you've had it built for that specific reason, you know, cause like up North, uh, they have a lot of them that will operate 365 days a year and they seem to be able to keep theirs good. I did discover last year that we could shut everything off in ours and we just keep a little oil heater in there and we don't actually have to winterize the little trailer. Now the big one's big enough you couldn't do it, but our little mobile trailer, we are actually able to put an oil heater in it and keep it warm enough to where we don't have to winterize it. And it also gives us the freedom to do events if something pops up in the middle of winter as well. And that also saves you from having to, well, one, winterize it, but also having somewhere to have to store it indoors so it doesn't freeze over. Yeah, I mean... You know, it's funny, and I've actually told people this before that know me. I spent five years in school for a criminal justice degree, and I never have used it 
as soon as I got done with college, mom was like, Hey, you want to start a food trailer? I'm like, all right, let's do it. And I went back to doing that. And I don't foresee myself doing anything different unless something happens to where, you know, it's just not feasible to do a food trailer. I love being able to get out and meet new people, even as closed off and fairly closed off and antisocial as well. But I've, lived with that so long that I can deal with people and enjoy meeting people and hearing their stories. And I love seeing people take my food and have a smile on their face because they have something new to try or they're trying a new recipe of mine. I like to feed people. Right. And it's so much fun and it's so diverse. And if you're one of the people that travel to different states and everything, like you get to see new places and make money. Like that's great. (laughs) Yep. And you get to see, like, we do, uh, we do some music festivals and those, you know, get to see live music for free. That's probably one of the funnest things I've done. Yes, that sounds amazing. Actually in Kansas, we discovered, cause we've since done a couple events in Kansas. So we spent like two days on the phone with various regulating boards, departments, and they kept sending us to a different one. And come to find out in Kansas, if you operate less than six days a year with inside the state, you do not have to have any type of licensing. Okay, Kansas. Now the health department can obviously show up and be like, Hey, we want to see your stuff, but they do not initially make you get any kind of licensing through the state, through the health department, all the, you know, basically all the things we went through. So who knows? I may forget to count to six, forget how to count to six. I mean, hey, I'd forget how to count to six, too. It's fun. But, yeah, it. I could not see myself going back to work for a brick-and-mortar restaurant again. Even as much as I love to cook, I like being able to get out and do different things, meet new people, see different scenery. And we actually, if we get the bigger trailer, we're going to try some very large events this year. We're going to try our state fair, which is about a two-week ordeal. Granted, it's going to require multiple trips to stores and stuff because obviously that is the other restriction you have compared to a brick and mortar. You are definitely limited on what you can carry with you. Nine times out of 10, when we go to bigger events, we end up with at least at minimum one extra vehicle with cooler or freezer, whatever it may be. And then like if we stay in a hotel, we've got to go buy ice and be able to keep that stuff cold through the entire night or dry, dry ice and keep stuff frozen. So Right, especially if you're doing something rather uh, like further away. Well, because originally I would have assumed that if you have a food trailer and you don't necessarily have a brick and mortar, granted you're sponsored by a brick and mortar because you have to have like some sort of something well i mean okay so states vary um you either have to have a commercial kitchen or like an actual restaurant that sponsors you um right but one of my thought processes was to have a building that was just commercial kitchen like you're not serving anything out of it but you have like your freezers coolers prep tables all of that so you could do your prep and then um have it ready to go for the food trailer and there are some there are some places out there that do that and strictly do that alone. Like they're not an actual restaurant, but they have built a commissary for multiple food trailers to use. And then they have to schedule their times and they pay rent on it basically like they would if they were going to borrow a restaurant or rent a restaurant from somebody. We actually contemplated. So we have a 20 foot trailer. We've actually contemplated on making a mobile commissary and taking it to people that need it. Um, completely upgrade it with commercial kitchen, fryers, stoves, ovens, that kind of stuff, and 
rent it to people because like over across the other side of the area from us, there's a lot of them that lost their commissary because the guy ended up closing the commissary kitchen down. And so a lot of them are struggling to find. We also have a uh, food trailer park going in and this guy has bought... I don't remember how many acres he got, but he is in the process of doing an entire commissary plus like a huge building that is a freezer that you can actually get pallet service. So if you're getting from a distributor, they can just come drop your pallet of food off in this walk-in fridge or freezer. And then you just rent that little location for your pallet of food. And then you use the commissary there to work on it as well. Cook it for your food trailer and your events and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's... um that's pretty awesome. I had talked to somebody recently about starting kind of a food trailer hub here locally. And we did talk about having like a commissary uh, where people rented it out as needed and such. And each person would have, it was a, on a larger scale. So each person would have a freezer and a cooler that would be locked and they would have the key if they're renting that space. Yeah, uh, we, we're we fortunate enough that our health inspector, because most of our food isn't cooked on in fryers, stovetops, that kind of stuff. He, we're fortunate enough that he allows us to use our permanent location trailer as our commissary. And then we come back here, we empty tanks, we do everything we need to do, cleaning everything here. But a lot of times that is not the case and you have to, actually I, you know, I said states are, uh, they vary, but I have never heard of a food trailer not requiring some sort of commissary, whether it be at their house and it's separate from their personal stuff or it being um, a restaurant that they may be renting or whatever it may be. Yeah, I um, really haven't heard it either. I do know, however, that most, uh, not most, a lot of states vary so much and some are very, very loose. Yeah, and I think is is the scene starts to build across the country because I don't know how strict like you get out where food trailers were kind of founded here in the U.S. out in California. I'm sure they're fairly strict and bigger cities are strict, but you get out into some of the rural areas, they haven't quite caught up with the times. And I'm not saying they're not strict as far as their health department. I have seen a health inspector more in the last four years than I've ever you know, I ever seen him in our full-blown restaurant. They're definitely held to high standards most of the time. Right. You definitely want to make sure that um, stuff is up to par because when they show up, they like to poke and prod at everything. They do. Um, and that's okay. I mean, our personally, our food trailer is constantly clean. I try. Actually, I've had compliments from people when I'm running lives. They're like, I love the fact that you clean up as you go. Now, when I get busy, that doesn't always happen. But when I'm prepping and stuff, like I, I prefer to clean up as I go so I don't have quite the mess when I'm done. Oh, likewise, yes. The whole like make a giant mess and then clean it afterwards is not a thing. But yeah, when you're busy, it's not realistic. Like if you've got a line of 60 people, you're, you don't have time to clean up after yourself. So you got to wait till it dies down a little bit. And that's common sense and like realism and we uh we actually started doing breakfast on the weekends here about a year and a half ago our main and we typically only do it off of our main food trailer unless somebody specifically says hey we want breakfast and then we'll take the mobile food trailer out to them but the mobile trailer is not built for breakfast let alone you know that's why we're in the process of trying to find a bigger one but yeah our 
it looks like a tornado went through our big one when we're during our busy times for breakfast for sure yeah breakfast can be a tornado a uh, personal experience over here but anyway guys we're coming up on our time so i'm gonna leave you with a couple final notes here and then we're probably gonna get out of here so you know the food the mobile food industry can probably be one of the most rewarding things that you ever do in your life. It just, a lot of it's going to depend on how much work you want to put into it. Do you want to do it as a hobby or do you want to do it full time? There are definitely owners out here, people that I know that own food trailers that they will make a complete living off of it. You can make six figures after you've paid everyone out. So it's definitely able to be done, but it, it all just depends on how much you want to work. Cause like with anybody that owns their own business, they know that you're not going to go put in a 40 hour week and be okay. You know, most business owners, they're putting anywhere between 60 to 120 hours, if not more. And, but it's definitely, you know, you get to go interact with your community, go interact with other communities, um, you can support your community, help people out, help other businesses out. In my specific area, you know, we have kind of come together as a community of food trailers. We help each other out with events, you know, let people know where the money can be, where it can be found, stuff like that. But yeah, it it's definitely, uh, you also get the opportunity to work for yourself, um, challenge yourself pretty much on the daily and if you're willing to put in the time, it's definitely going to pay off for you. I also need to add that I'm definitely not an expert on all of this combined uh, food trailer stuff. And you're definitely going to have to make sure you get with your local governments and your local regulators to make sure that you are following their stuff. Because it's very easy to get shut down rather temporarily or permanently if you're not following their, their regulations and rules. But they will definitely at least give you the tools to get yourself started and be successful as long as you want to put in the effort the time work with them to get up and going i think that's all i have for you tonight uh stylus i want to thank you for coming in and joining me and helping me out here because i definitely had a few mishaps there but oh no you did it's great. been awesome having you, you on you great it was fantastic you're so organized i love the organization thank you for having i try to be organized and hope and hopefully i'll get better as i move forward with this stuff but Anyway, guys, we're going to get out of here. I hope you all have a good evening. Thank you for coming out and joining me. We'll see you next time.